0: Okay, that's good. Um, why am I here? Oh yeah, tell you about Jesus. Um, I want to, if you were here for either of the previous two services, let me tell you this first, uh, you're witnessing a first for me, uh, other than one of our own events, uh, I've never done three services in one place, uh, I don't think any particular church is willing to go through that, uh, I did get invited one time to a church in Louisiana. And uh, when I got there, I found out they had two services, kind of like this one, but I won't get into that. I really, when I committed to it, I didn't realize there were three services, not that it would have changed anything, uh, but I went to this church in Louisiana, and there were two services. and course when you're working with two services uh, the first one in particular you've got some time restraints and then the second one you have got a little more freedom this was a big mainline denominational church and so my wife was with me Debbie and she sat right down here on the front row and I said look Debbie I need I don't wear a watch in case you haven't figured out and your pastor will tell you I have a hard time figuring out exactly what that clock means Uh, the Friday night I noticed that it kept getting bigger which looked like I had more and more time and i come to find out that's not a countdown clock that's a real clock so um, but so Debbie uh, I said now look give me five minutes don't give me 15 10 all that just give me five and I'll wrap it up so at the on the first service I looked at her and she did this and I wrapped it up and everything went fine Second service, I said, uh, Debbie, same thing. Just give me five minutes. So I had a prepared message in my head. So I gave that whole message, and she never did this. And if you've been here in any of the services, I don't have any trouble filling out the allotted amount of time. And uh, so she did this, and I thought, wow, that's great. So I went into another message, and uh, I never saw her do this. I did see her do this. I thought, oh, I need to pray for her. She's got a headache. And uh, she. um, so I gave that whole message, and I even kind of started on a third one. And I thought, okay, that's enough. Uh, So we stopped, and I said, uh, I had invited the prayer team to come forward, and I stepped down there also, and Debbie stepped up with me. And uh, as she walked up there, Praise the Lord, there were other people to pray with people because when she walked up there, I leaned over and whispered in her ear. I said, I can't believe I got all that in and I still finished early. Early? Early? You're 40 minutes past time. I said, "Uh uh-uh, you never gave me the five minutes. She said, yes, I did. I kept going like that and you never looked at me. She said, I even got so tired of that, I just put my head down like that. I said, oh, I saw that. I said, Debbie, you got to do the five minutes when I'm looking at you. She said, you didn't look at me. I said, yes, I did. And some poor, innocent CMA guy, meaning well, said, Miss Debbie, he did look at you. She turned on him and said, let me tell you something. If I need your help, I'll ask for it. (laughs) So she is a wonderful person, and I love her greatly. But um, uh, uh, I fear her in some ways. Let's pray. After that, we need to pray. Father, thank you for this opportunity. I pray, Lord, that you'll take this time and you'll speak to our hearts, including me, Lord. I pray, Father, that you'll anoint the words to be your words, that you'll anoint ears to hear and hearts to receive only that which is from you. I ask you to take this next few minutes and allow me to focus only on what you would speak. Help us, Father, to understand what we can and should do to be better Christians, better followers of Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to ask you a couple of questions, and throughout this message, I'll probably ask you some more questions. I'm not looking for answers. I'm not looking for raised hands unless I specifically say that. I just want you to examine your heart and ask yourself these questions. So the first question I would ask you is, are you a Christian? Are you a follower of Christ? Those are two separate questions. Are you a Christian and are you a follower of Christ? The third question is, what do you expect God to say to you the moment you breathe your last breath and open your eyes looking into the face of God? What are you expecting God to say to you? Now think about that for a moment. Because the Bible tells us that we will all stand in judgment. That we will all face God and be judged. So what are you expecting God to say to you? That's a pretty sobering thought. Because God knows you probably better than you know yourself. Now in the first message, Friday night, we let me just share a couple of points because I'm kind of doing a series here and I know most of you probably weren't here for the first two so let me just give you a couple of points that came out of those the first one is we will all stand before God the second point is this when you receive Christ as your personal Lord and Savior the Bible promises us that the old is gone and the new has begun now that means you The old you is gone. God even says that he will forget your past. And the new life has come. Your new life has begun. That says to me, and it should say to you, that God has promised us that he will not remember our past and hold it against us. It also says to me and you don't read this directly in the Bible but it is part of the message of the Bible it also says to me that I should do the same thing that I should leave my past behind and recognize that I am a new person I'm not living under the condemnation of my past my past doesn't disqualify me from speaking the name of Jesus to people who know that I mean who people who don't know him Because I'm a new creation, I'm qualified. It also says to me that I should not hold a person's past against them. That when they accept Christ, well, even if they haven't, I shouldn't hold their past against them. To do so closes the opportunity of being a witness, which leads to the next point of Friday night. We are God's ambassadors. You and I are representatives of the most holy God. That's not me telling you that. That's 2 Corinthians 5 telling you that. We are Christ's ambassadors. And it also tells us this. And this is a big thing. He has given us the task of reconciling others to Him. He has given us the task of leading people to Christ, of telling them who He is and leading them to Him. That's our job today. Then we talked uh, about Luke 15, the story of the prodigal son. And I told a story of a prodigal son here that in present day times. A person that died of AIDS, but our chapter loved on him. We loved an unlovely person And through a series of events, he came to Christ. He was a bad guy. And he had no reason to expect. Remember I asked you, what would you expect God to say to you when you stand in front of him? He should should have been in fear and trembling at the thought of standing before a holy God. This was as bad as they come. If I told you some of the things about him, you would shudder at who he was. And yet... I watched him die with peace in his heart and anticipation of standing before God. One of the last things he said to me was, I want to go home. And he said, I want to go home. Nothing but God can change a person like that. Just like the prodigal son. The points out of that message was this. We understood that we were Christ ambassadors. We understood that we had a job to do. And we just treated this unlovable guy with the love of Christ. We treated him right. We did the right thing and loved the unlovely. And then the last point of all of that was this. And you have to figure this one out for yourself God loves a party. Now, if that causes you to go, huh, go read Luke chapter 15. (laughs) That's right. The Father, I'll I'll just share it with you. The Father, when the Son returned home, the last thing it says is, and the party began. And I didn't share this a while ago, but I did Friday night. And also, the first miracle that Jesus did was at a wedding party. God loves a party. So then this morning we talked about 1 Corinthians 9, 19 through 24. And the point of that is this. Now there's a lot of, there's a lot of meat in there, but but that was that message. The point of all that is this. I try to find, Paul said, I try to find common ground with everyone, doing everything I can to save some. I do everything. To spread the gospel and share in its blessings. Paul was living, he was saying, I'm living my life to, share, to spread the gospel and to share in its blessings. I think sometimes we want to share in the blessings without playing a part in spreading the gospel. But our job is to be promoters of the gospel. Now, we talked about the finding common ground and how you can apply that to whatever it is you do. We in the motorcycling culture, uh, we apply that to the world of motorcycling. And we sometimes go places where people don't think we should go. We sometimes do things that people don't think we should do. What we don't do is we don't ever compromise our standards. We go in and we let, we're different. We let people see something different in us so that when they get tired of the filthy, nasty, beat, that life, beat you down life they're living, they can see something different in us and come ask us, what is it you've got? This happens. I want to know what makes you tick. How come you can face these things with smiles and, and happiness? So that's the point of 1 Corinthians 9, 19 through 24. We also talked about Galatians 6, 7 through 9. And the point of, there's two points there. One is, it tells us that God will not be mocked. Make no mistake, God will not be mocked. And the other thing is this. If we don't give up at just the right time, we'll reap a harvest. And we talked about that. We talked about how that that old guy, that old biker, foot, how that opportunity, how doing the right thing with him opened a door of opportunity with another hardcore biker that led to an opportunity where this guy, who was even worse than the first guy, how we had an emotional, tearful moment where he came to Christ. And I didn't really get into the details of this in the first service, but I saw that man change. We did talk about how he went from looking me in the eye and telling me this was his God, which is mocking God, by the way. This is his God to where he shared a dream with me. And when I asked him what he thought that dream meant, he told me that he believed that that dream was God telling him that God expected him to lead people from the lifestyle he was living to Christ. That's the difference that we saw. And that all happened just because we did the right thing. Now, I want to say this, and this is the point of this message. None of that would have happened without a commitment. None of that would have happened had we not been committed to the call of Christ in our lives, what we believed God was calling us to do, the direction that we believed God was pulling us in. The first time I went to, uh, I joined CMA, I shared this earlier, um, I joined CMA up in Pennsylvania, I had the day off, I had been a Christian, for t- a serious Christian, trying hard for 10 years, I had been a motorcyclist really all my life, I got my first, I wrote, took my first ride at 11, got my first motorcycle at 13 a big bad motorcycle this thing was tough. It was a Honda Cub 50 step-through It was great. I loved it Then I got a super 90 now if you're a motorcyclist uh, This you'll appreciate this then I got a super 90. I persuaded my dad to help me buy a Honda Super 90 90 cc motorcycle and we went to Savannah, Georgia and picked it up brought it home took it off the truck and I took my first ride on it, and I remember it like it was just yesterday. Honda S- Super 90 had little handlebars like that, a 90cc engine. I went kind of around the area. I grew up on an island, um, Hilton Head Island, and back then there was no really nobody there. So we had to run of the place. We didn't have to worry about having driver's licenses and all those silly things. And so I uh, took my first ride, and I remember coming back and going, Dad, this thing is amazing. If you don't hold on, it'll rip right out from under you and throw you off the seat. My 90cc motorcycle. So I've been a motorcyclist all my life. So I, I joined CMA and, uh, in uh, Pennsylvania, but I didn't really know anything about it. And then I went to a series of events. I ended up in Hatfield, Arkansas at a, one, of our, one of CMA's rallies. And I saw God move on people's lives. And I remember leaning over to Debbie with tears in my eyes. And I don't cry a lot. The only only thing that really makes me cry is a dentist, uh, uh, thinking about how good God is, and uh, my grandkids. I love them. And uh, those things will bring tears to me. You're not going to bring tears to my eyes. And uh, sorry. um, But I remember leaning over to Debbie and whispering in her ear with tears in my eyes saying, I want to be a part of this. And she looked back at me and said, me too. And we made a commitment at that point to be a part of the ministry of CMA. And, uh, and I'm still trying to live that out, and I still love the ministry, and I still am amazed at all that we see going on and the impact that it has uh, here in the United States and around the world. It's an amazing, amazing ministry. It's not perfect. They let me in. It's not perfect, but it's a great organization. But it took, but it was a commitment, a commitment. And uh, when you, if 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 I was to share with you my personal testimony, there came a point when I was twenty nine years old where I made a commitment to Christ, a real commitment to Christ. And so I want to share with you some uh, scriptures, and then let's talk about commitment. As we start that, I want to ask you to. Ask yourself, what's your commitment? Are you committed to Christ? Is your your commitment to Christ greater than your commitment to the things of the world? I'll just leave it at that and let's go from there. Acts 9, which is the chapter that deals with Saul on the road to Damascus. You're all familiar with these, these scriptures, or you should be. Let me talk about Saul. Let me set that up. Saul was a powerful guy. He was a religious leader. He was uh, one one of the, he was looking for the Messiah's return. He was a powerful religious leader. He had a lot of respect. He had a lot going on. And he hated this thing called Christianity. If you read in Acts about the story of Stephen which i believe is chapter 6 Stephen was stoned for his faith in Jesus and the bible tells us that Paul Saul i'm sorry was standing there giving his approval and then Saul gets permission from the leaders the religious leaders of the day to go out and seek christians to bring them in probably to their death and he was fervent in that he was zealous in that he was committed to wiping out this thing called Christianity and so he was on his way to Damascus and in verse 3 we read this as he was approaching Damascus on this mission a light from heaven suddenly shone down around him He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord, Saul asked, and the voice replied, I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. Now get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. Now right there, right then, on that spot, Saul came face to face with the reality of Jesus Christ. He didn't see Jesus, he came face to face with the reality of Jesus. I believe that every man and woman on the, in, on the face of the earth will have an opportunity to come face to face with the reality of Jesus. Not necessarily the message, not necessarily the face to face experience, but with the reality of Jesus. The Bible even tells us that by the very nature of things, man is without excuse. It's obvious, I don't care how smart you are, you got to be an idiot to think that Everything around us happened out of nothing. It just happened. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. I'll stop there. So Saul came face to face with the reality of Jesus and he had to make a decision. What do I do here? You and I have also come face to face with that decision. We've come face to face with the reality that there is a Jesus. Now what am I going to do with him? Maybe some of you in this room have not really reached that place with the reality of Jesus. Here's what the reality of Jesus is. Jesus is exactly who he said he was. He's not just some magical guy or mythical figure or maybe just a man that has become a legend no Jesus is exactly who he said he was that's the reality of it he is God in human form I don't understand that there's a lot in the Bible and that I don't understand praise God for that because if it was at my level it wouldn't be much of a faith but The reality is that if you come face to face with Jesus and the decision, then you have to decide, are the things he said true? And you don't get to pick and choose which things those are. If Jesus is real, and he is real, then everything he said we should pay close attention to. When Jesus said, I get a big chuckle out of these silly little bumper stickers that says coexist, and it's got all these different religious symbols. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. That's pretty daggum clear. You can't, I don't care if you want to put the cross in the middle of that coexist thing or not. We can coexist, but guess what? Here's the reality of Jesus. All those other things will lead you straight to hell. Only that cross and Jesus Christ will lead you to heaven. And it's our job in love, to not like I'm sharing with you, because I get pretty real when I'm in an environment like this, but in the world you have to share in love and don't yell. You have, but it's our job to let people see That we understand that the reality of Jesus is He is God, His message is truth, and there's no other way to be saved except through Him. That is the reality of Jesus. Paul came face to face with that reality and he had to make a choice. He chose. He made the right choice. He chose to follow Jesus Christ. He made a commitment. And if you know anything about Paul, he lived that commitment. If there's any man, man, human man in the Bible that I want to emulate, it's Paul in that area, in the area of commitment. If I can just be a a little bit committed as Paul, I believe I'll be successful. And success to me means this. I ask you to think about what it is you wanted God to say to you. Let me tell you what I want God to say to me. First, let me tell you this. Think whatever you want to. Go study the Bible. You'll find out I'm right. The Bible talks about rewards. Jesus talked about rewards. That says to me that there's more possible than just making it into heaven. If you read the Bible, you'll find that time and time again, Jesus is referred to as sitting at the right hand of God. Except when Stephen was stoned. The Bible says that Stephen said, I see Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Those two things say to me, say this to me, that it is possible to live your life in such a way that there's a greater reward waiting for you than just making it into heaven. I don't know what that is. Maybe it means my house is closer to Jesus than your house. I don't know. But if there's a reward, if Jesus is telling me there's rewards available, I want those rewards. The other thing is this. If I know because of what the Bible tells me that it's possible to live in such a way that Jesus Christ himself will stand up when you you come to heaven, look, man, I want that. I want to live my life in such a way that I don't just get there and hear Jesus say, Oh, yeah, you made it just by the skin of your teeth, but your house is way back over yonder. No, no. I want to open my eyes and see Jesus standing up and saying, Come on, man, I've been waiting on you. woo But it takes commitment. What's your level of commitment. And what do you think God is going to say to you when you open your eyes? in heaven for the first time so if we go on to Acts 9 verse 15 and 16 let me set this up Paul Saul went on to which he's becoming Paul now so I'm gonna throw these two names back and forth but Saul went on to uh, uh, Damascus and he uh, was blind And if you read in the scriptures, I'm not going to read it, but it says that God spoke to a believer named Ananias and said, I want you to go here, here, and here, and there is a believer there, and Ananias was good up to that point. There's a believer there named Saul, and I want you to pray for him, and the Bible says this, because he is praying to me right now. Now, that's a sobering thought sometimes. It says that Saul was praying right at that moment. Sometimes, maybe, we just need to be praying because God might just move just because we're praying. Okay, that's just a side note of that. But Ananias said, Wait a minute, God. Hold up. I know who that guy is. You sure you want me to go see him? Because he might throw me in prison. And God said, go. And Ananias had to make a choice. What's my level of commitment here? Am I committed to God up to the point where I might be walking into something that's going to cause me to be thrown in jail or killed? Ananias had to make a choice, but he chose and he went. So let me read that but the Lord said go for Saul is my chosen instrument to take my message to the Gentiles and to the kings let me stop there and throw this at you when he when God said he is my chosen instrument to take my message to the Gentiles you know who that is that's us it's at that moment it's at that time it's at that scripture that says hey I want my message to go to Carrie and to Bob and Fran and Jack and Jill and all the people up on the hill that I want my message you Saul are taking my message to the Gentiles and to Kings that's another thing about Paul if you study his life he always ended up in front of even though he spent a lot of time in prison he always ended up in front of rulers and leaders as well as to the people of Israel. And I will show him how much he must suffer for my namesake. Boy, that's a good, that's something you really want to hear from God, isn't it? I'll show you how much you must suffer for my namesake. So Ananias had to make a decision also. Saul had to make a decision. A big decision. Ananias had to make a decision. And you and I have to make decisions. But it all starts with a commitment to God. Who is Jesus and am I committed to Him? Now, let me jump ahead in my life a few years, or back a few years, but ahead of some things I've been talking about. Through a series of events, I was invited, I was offered a position with CMA as a national evangelist. Now, up until that point, I had served at local levels. I had been a chapter president. I had been a state coordinator. And chapter presidents and state coordinators kind of operate in their own little world. But when you become a national person, you operate in a much bigger picture, and there's a lot more obligations and responsibilities that come with it. And all I knew about national leaders was Curtis Clemens and John Ogden. And if you know those two guys, you know that they are always stiff. We're not recording this, are we? <laughs> Don't send it to John. Uh, they're stiff. I mean, oh that's oh he doesn't do Facebook. The but his wife does. Their jeans have creases in them. Their boots are pointy and shiny and uh they wear crisp, nice shirts, and, you know, they look neat and orderly. And not me. I mean, back then, and even today, I was a T-shirts and jeans guy. That was it. That's what I wore. Sometimes I threw leather over them, but most of the time it was T-shirts shirts, and jeans. And I way I had a, that was a hard decision for me. I had... Been, I had been committed to um, Christ I had made a commitment I intended to keep it that commitment was I'm going to go anywhere do anything I'm gonna, if I believe it's you I'm going to do it if it's not you rescue me from it but if it's you I'm going to do it I felt like this was God but on the other hand I was struggling with this I can't be, I can't be Curtis I don't, I don't know how to I can't wear a stiff shirt good golly How can I do that? It would be like this all the time. Uh, So I was having a serious struggle with this thing. So Debbie and I went to Myrtle Beach, bike week in Myrtle Beach. And I'm struggling with, I got a lot of things rolling around in my head. I want to do it, but I'm scared to do it. And uh, we rented a cabin, a little cabin in a Christian camp there. And they had other things going on, and we were staying in this little cabana-like thing. They rent them real cheap to uh, CMA people that are down there for the rally. And we ran across a a pastor from Florida. He was a short guy, uh, so I might refer to him as a little pastor, uh, big man, little pastor, um, from Florida who was handing out flyers, and God had put it on his heart for some reason, to, come to go down to Myrtle Beach and rent uh, a building on this Christian camp and hold a healing revival. Now, he didn't, I don't know if he knew anything about Bike Week or not. He was definitely not a biker. And he was handing out these flyers, and Debbie took one, and she uh, told me later, she said, I want to go to this. I said, that's fine, I don't want to go. So, um, as a matter of fact, I said, I'm not going. And so she said, but I want to go. I said, feel free, but I'm not going. Okay, so the, t- the night comes and I'm laying there on the bed reading a book. And uh, uh, she says, It's five minutes to time for the service. And I said, Okay, I'm not going. She said, Well, I'm going. I said, Okay, I'm not. So she goes, and about five minutes later, maybe 10 minutes later, she comes back in the door. She says, You got to see this. Well, I'm immediately thinking, Trick. She says, you got to see this. I said, what do you mean? She said, he's in this big room, and there's nobody there except his wife and his son sitting off in the corner. And he's preaching like there's a thousand people in there. He's preaching. He's got music. He'll stomp around, and in a little while he'll stop and he'll sing a little bit. And then he's preaching some more, just like there's a room full of people. I said, i got to see that. So I jumped up, grabbed a t-shirt, put it on, went over there, walked in the room, and sure enough, there was nobody in that big place except for the pastor and his wife and son sitting off in the far corner and me and Debbie. And this guy's preaching, he's going all over the place, I mean, he's preaching a great message, every now and then he'll stop and he'll sing a little bit, and then he'll preach some more, and meanwhile... Maybe, maybe two more people come in. I remember there was one lady came in and sat right behind us. Like she was kind of like, I'll hide behind these people. And, um, And then all of a sudden, in the middle of that, he stops. And he goes, you. Me? You, brother. God's got a word for you. God tells me to tell you that he sees you as an evangelist. That he sees you and I see you traveling all over the world telling people about Jesus Christ. I see you as an evangelist. But here's the part that I don't understand. I don't see you traveling like most people travel. I don't see you traveling in a car. I don't see you flying on an airplane. I don't see you riding a train. I see you traveling different than most people. But here's what God wants me to tell you. I called you exactly like you are. I don't want you to change. I'm not asking you to change. I have called you to be who you are. Remember what I said I was having struggles with? And then the pastor kind of straightens up and he says, what do you do? I said, well, I'm a motorcycle evangelist. He goes, that's it. That's it now. And then he he said, come on up here and minister with me. Huh? To who? (laughs) So I walked up there and we ministered together and there, a few more people wandered in. We ended up with maybe five, six people in the room, him, his wife and son over there. And we ministered and we, the whole prophecy thing was a little bit foreign to me, but not much. Uh, We prophesied together and look I, I believed this guy I believed in this guy he nailed me and he had no reason to know anything about me I promise you John Ogden didn't hire him to come down there and tell me anything that moment I accepted the position that was offered to me and I became fully committed to it now Here's why I'm telling you that story. I had a question in my heart about following God. I probably would have done it, but I'd have been struggling with it the whole time. How, how, can I be this when I'm really this? And God spoke to a little pastor from somewhere down in Florida and said, I want you to go to Myrtle Beach and rent a pavilion and give a message. And that guy had enough commitment to do that. And then, when he got there, there's nobody there. But he was convinced that God had sent him to do this, so he did it, even if there was no one there. And had there been a room full of people, I would have never gone. So, So I believe this. Think what you want to. God did all of that for me. He did all of that to answer my question, to speak to me, and to say, quit worrying. I got this. I have called you just like you are. Now be who you are. And so I've asked myself numerous times, what's my commitment? Am I as committed as that little pastor if I stand up? On stage, if I had to come in here and there was nobody here but your pastor, would I do this? Yeah, I would. Because if I wanted to stop and say, I don't need to, that little pastor would pop up in my head, and I referred to him as a little pastor because that was one of the biggest men I've ever met in my life. Now I gave I had I had close to a couple hundred dollars in my pocket. I gave him all of that. And I took his email address and I tried to, I was going to give him money. I was going to send him money. And uh, he never answered me. So was was it an angel that God sent? I don't know. I don't care. Doesn't matter to me. God did all of that to answer my question. If he'll do all of that for a simpleton like me, think what he'll do for you. You got questions, you got requests, you got prayers you need answered, you got something that you need from God, keep at it because He's going to answer that. As long as you're committed to Him. Now if my commitment was not to Jesus, I don't think He'd have gone to all that trouble. If If I wanted that position because I wanted to be somebody, I don't think Jesus would have given me the time of day. But I made a commitment. That little pastor had to make a commitment. That is commitment. Back when we the story I told you about foot, we were committed to the calling of Christ. We didn't do anything but the right thing, but we were committed. I was committed enough to wear my colors into church on Sunday, which led to meeting Gunner, which is from the first service, which led to meeting Hubcap, which opened the door, which led to the opportunity to pray the prayer of salvation with him and see his life changed. All because we were committed. All of that, all of that happened because we were committed to Christ. So I ask you again, Are you committed to the call of Christ on your life? I'm not here to define what that call is. I'm just here to ask you, are you committed to that call, whatever it is? 1 Corinthians 15, 58 says this, So, my dear brothers and sisters, be strong and immovable. Always work enthusiastically for the Lord. For you know that nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. Nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. No matter whether you see the results or not, no matter how you feel about it, nothing, the scriptures say, nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. And one more scripture, Philippians 2.13, take great, learn this, memorize it, get it in your head. Philippians 2.13, because I believe this applies to every person in this room. For God is working in you, giving you the desire To do what pleases Him. Now, if you know that scripture, you know I left something out. I think we all, I think we all as Christians want to please God. Sometimes it just seems too hard. Sometimes it seems like I just can't do it. But here's what the scripture really says. For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases Him. So what am I saying? What am I saying to you today? Are you committed? If not, it's time to get committed. Because we serve a powerful God that will use us, but we have to be committed to Him. And nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. And God has promised us that He's not only given you the desire to do what pleases Him, He's given you the power to do what pleases Him. Every decision you make has consequences. Every decision you make leads to something. But the most important decision you'll ever make is what do I do with Jesus? Do I accept Him? And if I accept Him, what does that mean? Am I willing to commit my life to Him? So I ask you one last time. What is your level of commitment? Let's pray. Heads down, eyes closed. Examine your heart. Is Jesus your Lord and Savior? Are you committed to Him? If not, today's the day. You can't leave here and say, I didn't understand what that meant. I didn't understand what that strange guy was telling me. I didn't understand what God's speaking to my heart right now. It's real simple. Is Jesus your Lord and Savior? And are you committed to Him? If not, I urge you, I do as the Bible says, I beg you to get right with the Lord. And you start that by saying praying a simple prayer. That's only the start. But it starts with a prayer. If today you want to make a life-changing, lifelong, eternity-altering decision, Commit your life fully and totally to Jesus Christ. I urge you to pray this prayer with me. Lord Jesus, right now, I'm giving you my life. I ask you, Lord, to forgive me for all my failings and shortcomings. I ask you, Lord, to accept me. I ask you, Lord, to save me. And I promise you, Lord, I'm making you a promise right now that I am committing my life to you. I want to please you. I want to go wherever you want me to go and I want to do whatever you want me to do. I need your help. I need your guidance. But I promise, Lord, I'm going to try hard in Jesus' name. While every head is down, while every eye is closed, I want to remind you that Jesus was very clear with something. He said, If you acknowledge me before men, I will acknowledge you before the Father. But if you deny me before men, I will deny you before the Father. Plain and simple, that means that the world needs to know we're Christians. We need to be willing to confess in front of people that I am a Christian. And you can start that today. While every head is down, while every eye is closed, except mine. I'm going to ask you that if you prayed that prayer and you meant it, only if you meant it, I'm going to ask you to acknowledge Him today by simply raising your hand. Is there anybody that made that commitment? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You can put your hands down because it's not about that. It's about what you did in your heart. Just remember that you made a promise to God. I urge you to do the best you can to live it out. And I promise you that if you do your part, He'll do His. Father, in Jesus' name, help us, Lord, to be the people you've called us to be. As I get ready to turn it back over to the pastor, I'm going to ask the prayer team to come up front. If you don't know Jesus as your Lord, or if you just prayed and asked Jesus to become your Lord, I I encourage you to step over. There will be somebody over by that cross. I encourage you to step over there, and look, it's not something to be ashamed of. It's not something to be embarrassed about, that you've been going to church for 55 years and today you turned your life over to Christ. That's a party time. That's a good thing. So I encourage you to go tell somebody. Otherwise, if you need something, please come up here and let somebody pray for you. Pastor.
1: Amen. Hey, let's give it up for Brother Kerry and and the Lord. Amen. Hey, you know, we want to make an opportunity. If you would like to bless this ministry, CMA, uh, the Ride for the Sun, we're going to have a Bible that's up here, and you can uh, drop something off here. We'll have our ushers in the back, and uh, you can do that. Also, like I said, if you want to do it online, just put CMA or Run for the Sun. But listen, uh, let's all stand on our feet, and uh, we're going to go back into a song like we always do. Brother Kerry said, if you're in here and you need prayer for anything, we want to pray with you. You know, if you want to make a step towards Christ, we'll have someone at the church listen, this message, you know, just really spoke to me. Uh, Maybe some of you are in here and you love Christ, you're a follower, you're a believer, you're a Christian, but maybe you've been on the sideline. Maybe you just had different things coming in your life and you've been busy and work and kids and school. Listen, I want to encourage you. What is God calling you to do right now? Maybe it's been a while since you've opened that Bible. Maybe it's been a while since you really just pushed everything away and you prayed. Maybe it's been a while since you spent time and and you prayed to God to ask you, who am I supposed to minister to? Listen, every single person in here, no matter what your walk of life is, no matter what your hobby, God has called us to be missionaries in the world that we live in. He's called us to reach people. Do you believe that? It's one thing to believe it. It's another thing to act upon it. Let's let this be a week that we act upon what we already believe. Let's talk to people about Him. Let's be great ambassadors for Christ. Let's love people around us, and let's see what God does. Amen? Hey, our prayer team is up here. If you want prayer, if you want to get closer to God, we'd love to pray with you. But let's sing this last song before we close out.